great to be here. Um, obviously, we don't have access to the community summit. If you're new, uh, we don't normally meet here. Uh, we're normally up at the community summit. Uh, my name's Dan, I'm the assistant minister here at the Federal Manager Church. Uh, and uh, we're thankful to God that He's provided a space for us um, so uh, we can meet together like this. Let me pray uh, and then we will begin. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us. We pray this morning as we open it uh, and have a look at this psalm, Psalm 111. We pray that you will help us to understand more and more uh, who you are. Uh, we pray that we might, uh, our eyes might be open to what you've done for us, uh, that we might praise you. Amen. Well, at my church, uh, we have been going through, or over summer, we're going through some psalms, uh, three different psalms, we're doing a short little series. Uh, and psalms, if you're not familiar with it, you find it in the Old Testament, is a book of songs. Uh, it's Israel's songbook from the Old Testament. It's actually made up of five separate, smaller books. And these books were compiled over the course of Israel's history. Things would happen, uh, people would write songs, those songs would be added to this, these books of the Psalms. Uh, and so as Israel kind of uh, gathered together in synagogues and uh, things like that, one of the things that they would do is they would open the book of Psalms and they would sing these songs. And so Psalms, this book is somewhat unique in that these songs, we find them in the Bible. The whole Bible is God's word to us. So these songs are God's word to us. But being songs that we're supposed to sing, and many of them directed towards God, this is actually also our words back to God. As if God has given us appropriate and righteous responses, words, things to say, things to sing back to Him. Uh, kind of like God's official approved song, right? Um, and not that, you know, we're, we're meant to sing new songs and create new songs as well, uh, but sometimes we don't quite know what to say to God or how to say it. And so we open the book of Psalms, and the Psalms uh, so many times give us words when we don't have words. The Psalms shape the way we respond to God. So last week, uh, at my church, I'll just give you a quick recap of what we did last week because it's helpful to kind of give a bit of an introduction to what we're doing today. Last week we looked at Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is kind of the intro to the Psalms. Um, uh, so uh, it kind of introduces kind of what's happening, the worldview of the Psalms. Uh, psalm 1 is the introduction and it's a wisdom psalm. There are lots of different kinds of Psalms. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. So it teaches us how to live wisely in the world God has Created. So how do we live wisely in God's world? Well, according to Psalm 1, we should, if we want to be happy, if we want to be blessed in this world, we should not go along with the wicked, go along with the sinners, do the kinds of things they do, live a sinful kind of lifestyle. We should not do what they do, because in the end, the sinners, the wicked, they will be destroyed in the day. They will be like a chaff the wind blows for life. Instead, Psalm 1 says, we should delight, we should delight in God's instruction to us. We should meditate on it day and night. 
That's the path to happiness and blessing in life. Because, someone says, God watches over the way of the righteous. God looks after the righteous, those who fear him, those who listen to his instruction and obey He blesses them. And so someone sets out the pattern for how life in God's world works. The righteous are blessed and the wicked are And so that then lays the foundation for the two main kinds of psalms you will find in the book of Psalms. There's lots of different kinds of psalms. There's two main ones. They are praise and lament. Praise and lament are the two main kinds of psalms you'll find here. And both praise and lament are a kind of reflection on this pattern of life that Psalm 1 sets out. See, someone says the righteous will be blessed and the wicked will be destroyed. That's the pattern of life. And so generally, psalms of praise are a reflection on when this happens. Psalms of praise reflect on times that this happens. When God does things to bless the righteous and to punish the wicked. When God does these things, we respond with psalms of praise. When Israel were escaping from the Egyptians, from Egypt, God rescued them, he saved them. They walked through the Red Sea on dry land. And then as the Egyptians chased after them with their chariots, God caused the waters to come in on them and they were destroyed. And the very first thing Israel does after that happens, when God saves, when God blesses Israel, and when he destroys their enemies, the wicked Egyptians, the very first thing they do is they respond with a song of praise. Praise psalms. Praise God for his goodness, for his mercy, and for when the righteous are blessed and the wicked are destroyed. But if you've been living for any length of time, you will know that this doesn't always work. Life doesn't always work the way someone describes. Sometimes in life, the righteous suffer while the wicked prosper. Sometimes the righteous are destroyed while the wicked live happy and it seems blessed lives. And so we have sons of lament. A lament is for those times of discontent when life doesn't seem to be working out the way someone describes, the way it's supposed to. Lament is for when our experience doesn't seem to line up with what's described in Psalm 1. If you're interested in looking at a Psalm of Lament, come to my church next week, we'll be looking at that. But uh, this morning we're looking at Psalm Christ, Psalm 111. Uh, if you've got a Bible, keep it open. If you've got it on your phone or something like that, uh, keep that open uh, because we'll be working through this psalm. Psalms of praise, uh, hopefully, will be fairly familiar to many of us uh, because if you've been coming to church for a while, you will notice uh, that about 99% of the songs we sing are praise songs, right? Uh, we don't sing many lament songs at church, um, which, you know, maybe we should consider doing that. But, uh, praise songs are familiar. 
this should be fairly familiar to us. So let's have a look, we'll work our way through this psalm, beginning with verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2 in the psalm set out, kind of the, they introduce what's this psalm all about, uh, and what's the theme of this psalm. Uh, if you've got a Bible there in front of you, uh, you will notice that the NIV, uh, if you've got the NIV there, they've helpfully split up verses, uh, verse 1 into two sections. Right? The first verse is split up into two sections. It begins with a command. The first line says, Praise the Lord. Uh, now, this would probably have been sung in Israel by the song leader. Uh, the song leader would sing, Command the congregation, Praise the Lord. And then the congregation would respond with these next two lines. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Now, we're not sure exactly how it worked, um, but these sorts of things were done. Uh, so, call and response, right? The congregation are commanded to praise the Lord, and they respond by saying, Yes, we will praise the Lord. And then, most likely, they would sing the rest of the psalm together, or praise to God together. So, from the first one, we know this is a praise psalm. Uh, it's sung in the congregation uh, by a group of people. So what are they praising God for? Verse 2. The Lord's works are great, studied by all who delight. This is a song praising God for His works, for the great things He's done. See, of all the gods that there might be, and there have been many Proposed, many invented throughout history. Of all the gods that there might be, that we might imagine, it turns out that the one and only true God, the only all-powerful divine being in existence, the creator of all things, it turns out he's the kind of God who does things. He's active. You might notice uh, in the psalm, uh, wherever you see the word Lord, it's written in capitals, right? All the letters in there are in capitals. That means in the original Hebrew, they were using God's name, Yahweh. I will praise Yahweh with all my heart. Yahweh's works are great. And in the Bible, names are significant. Names are significant. The name Yahweh was the name God gave Moses. Uh, when he sent Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt, Moses was like, well, who do I tell them sent me? And God said, tell them, Yahweh sent you. And the name Yahweh means, I am who I am. Or, I will be who I will be. Which speaks to a number of things about who God is. But one of them, a very significant one, is that the name Yahweh, I will be who I will be, it tells us that God is known God's character will be seen by what he does. He will be defined by his works. I will be who I will be. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what he's like, then look at what he does. Look at his works. I am who I am. This week it's uh, come out, you might have noticed, in, in uh, the news, our premier, Dominic, Dominic Perrottet, uh, turns out uh, there was an incident at uh, his birthday party, 21st birthday party, uh, dressed up in a Nazi costume, for those who haven't seen. Uh, now, 
uh, lots been made of it in the media. And obviously, there's been a lot of discussion about what this tells us about him as a person. Right? His character. His character is displayed by his actions. Because actions show who someone is. His actions speak loud as words, right? Here's the thing, though. Uh, when it comes to Dominic Perrottet, people change, don't they? People change. Uh, he's 40 now. That was 19 years ago. I would say there's probably a good chance that our Premier is a very different person today than he was on his 21st birthday. Just because he did something when he was younger doesn't necessarily mean we get a good picture of what he's like now. But God is not like Dominic Perrottet. God does not change. He has always been and will always be sad. And what that means is that we can look at what God does, no matter how long ago it was. We can look at God's works throughout history and we can see who God is. His works display his character. So what are his works then? What has God done? Verses 1 and 2 set out, this is the praise psalm, we're praising God for his works, and his works are going to display his character. Verses 3 to 6, I'm going to read them again for us. There's glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the land. You might notice there uh, some echoes uh, back to the Exodus, back to when Israel was wandering in the wilderness, back to when they conquered the Promised Land. This was the great salvation moment for Israel. This is what formed them as a nation. Over the years, there were many times God saved his people, many times where he showed his graciousness and his compassion towards them, many times he showed them his power. But the Exodus, the wilderness wandering, the conquering of the promised land, that was their great salvation moment. Now for those that aren't so familiar, here's a quick recap. God's people, Abraham's family, had become slaves in Egypt. But God rescued them. He performed wonders, sending ten plagues on the Egyptians, until finally the hard-hearted Pharaoh but when Pharaoh changed his mind, chased after them with his chariots, with his army, God led the Israelites through the Red Sea on the right ground, and then sent the waves crashing in on the Egyptians as they chased after them. As Israel travelled through the wilderness, he provided food. Every morning, the Israelites would wake up and there would be this, this flaky stuff all over the ground, called a manna. They would gather what they needed each day, and that would be their food. God miraculously provided water. He protected them from enemies. He led them to the promised land. Which he gave them. He drove out the nations before them. And Israel inherited this golden piece of land in the Middle East. A rich, fertile land. With cities already built. Vineyards already planted. 
fertile land that God gave them. And not just rich and fertile, but in a key location as well. This was a trade route through the Middle East. It was the piece of land, the piece of real estate in the Middle East. And God gave it to his people in his place. Who is God? What is he like? He's a God who rescues. He's a God who has compassion on his people. He is mighty in power, able to rescue even from the strongest terror. He's a God who provides and protects and looks after his people. He's a God who gives good things to his people, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is who God is. This is what God is like. How do we know? Because of his He deserves praise. And not just from Israel, but even more so from us. Even more so from us. See, he rescued Israel from the Egyptians. He provided food and water in the wilderness. He gave them the promised land. But that is nothing. That is nothing in comparison to what he's done for us. It's just an echo, just a shadow compared to the reality To God, for us, he sent his one and only son to die in our place, to rescue us, not from the Egyptians, not from an oppressive nation, but from an even greater enemy. To rescue us from sin and death. Our salvation is eternal. He provides food and water. Not just physical food and water, but spiritual food, living water. The Holy Spirit who lives within us, sustaining us, transforming us, energizing us, that we might persevere through the wilderness, that we might reach the promised land. And our promised land, our promised land is not just a land flowing milk, but a new creation, a new heaven and earth, free from sin and wickedness, free from death and death. In every way. The Lord's works are great, aren't they? They show His righteousness. And so He deserves praise. But not just His works. You notice that in the Psalm? It's not just His works. Have a look at verse 7. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his instructions are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and acted in truth and uprightness. See, just as God's works show his righteousness, they show that he's fair and just and right in every way, so also his instructions are trustworthy. Why are they trustworthy? Well, because they lead us to act in the same way he does. Notice there in the second line of verse 8, enacted in truth and uprightness. When we enact his instructions, when we obey him, when we follow God's instructions, we act with truth and justice and righteousness. See, God's works demonstrate his righteousness and justice. And so his instructions then shape and form a people who are righteous and just. 
And for anyone in Israel singing this song, as they sing about God's instructions, their minds would immediately go to Mount Sinai, where God gave them the law. So the covenant God established with his people. And so look at verse 9 and 10. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. His name is holy and awe-inspiring. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. See, God's works, his rescue of Israel, his providing for them in the wilderness, giving them instructions, giving them a promised land. It was about creating and forming a people for himself. A people who are like him. A people who will reflect his character. A people who will act in ways that he acts. A people who will fulfill God's original design for humans. To be images of God. Now ultimately, of course, that didn't happen by people following the law given at Mount Sinai, did it? Israel didn't end up being the reflection of God that they should have been. They didn't end up acting in truth and justice. And this was why God's judgment came many times on the Israelites. Israel failed. But God hadn't failed. This was part of his plan. Because God's ultimate revelation of himself, his ultimate work of righteousness, of grace and compassion, his ultimate work of justice was yet to come. And of course it's Jesus, isn't it? In his life, he demonstrated perfectly God's character in action because he was God. He is God. In his death, he performed the ultimate act of grace the ultimate act of justice. In his resurrection, he showed his power, power over death. And as we come to him, as we repent of our sins, as we put our trust in him, we are being formed into a people who are truly black. People who act in truth and justice. How good is that? To him belongs eternal praise. And so will you join me in prayer as we praise him this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning. Your works are glorious and majestic. You are gracious and compassionate. You are righteous and just in all that you do. You sent your one and only Son to save sinners like us. You sent the Holy Spirit to give us life, to sustain us, to grow and transform us as we wait for Jesus to return, to bring us to the final, to the ultimate promised land. To you belongs eternal praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.